Welcome to What Christians Should Know, hosted by Dr. Elijah Sadoffel. This podcast equips you with clarity and meaningful answers about God, the Bible, and your Christian life. Now, here's Dr. Sadoffel. When I say Israel in the 21st century West, what may come to mind for many people is a country with formal geographic borders in the Middle East. In other words, when I say Israel, many people think of a place. Yet, biblically speaking, Israel is best understood as a people, not a place. Israel is best understood as a borderless tribe that lives in and amongst all nations on the planet. The people of Israel transcend time, language, color, nationality, and ethnicity. Once we fully embrace the biblical concept that Israel is not a place but a people, it will forever change the way we see our modern world. In fact, this biblical understanding has three crucial applications for life and modernity. But before I unpack those applications, allow me to further develop the reality that biblical Israel is not a place but a people. So where is the first instance Israel is used in the Bible? It's used in Genesis 32:28. There, Jacob wrestled with God all night. The morning after, God asked Jacob, what is your name? Jacob responded and said, Jacob. It was then that God said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. So the first time Israel is used, it is used to refer to a person. And it is from this point on in the biblical narrative that the sons of Jacob would be called the sons of Israel. Consequently, the sons of Israel moved to Egypt, and if we fast forward through time over the next 400 years, the sons of Israel grew into a people that numbered well into the hundreds of thousands. In the book of Exodus chapter 3 verse 10, God subsequently commissions Moses and says, Therefore come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. So it is clear that from the start, the people of God were called Israel. The exodus was an exodus of a community who was then brought into the promised land, but it was the people who were set free. The land was merely a material blessing that was the result of covenantal obedience, but the land was never the point. What was the point was the redemption of souls. The Lord is a redeemer that redeems people, not land or things. Hence, in Isaiah 47, 9, the prophet says, Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel. After the exile and the return of the people back to the promised land, Nehemiah 8, 1 states, And all the people gathered as one man at the square, which was in front of the water gate, and they asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. At the top, I said the topic at hand has three crucial applications. The first application is this. Because Israel is a people and not a place, the people matter more than the place. Beloved, God never made his covenant with a piece of real estate. He made his covenant with a consecrated group of people who are collectively called Israel. In the Old Testament, the people of Israel just so happened to live in an area of Palestine that we nowadays define as Israel, but God's plan of salvation was never about things. It was always about people, the image bearers of God. And the idea of Israel is not exclusive to the Old Testament. Old Testament Israel is the New Testament church. 
the Apostle Paul writes the following in Galatians 3, verses 7 to 8. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of the faith who are sons of Abraham. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. So then, those who are of the faith are blessed with Abraham the believer. In these verses, the Apostle Paul tells us that anyone who has genuine faith in Jesus is a spiritual descendant of Abraham and is therefore a member of Israel. Today, that refers to members of Christ's church. Today, we are not circumcised in the flesh, but are circumcised in the heart. In the Old Testament, the people of Israel were unified by their common devotion to God. Now, the people of Israel are members of the church who are unified by their common faith in Jesus Christ. We are one people with one heart, one mind, of one spirit, and with one gaze focused on one Lord, who is our corporate head. So, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you are a member of Israel. I am an Israelite, and so are you. You are an Israelite because you have been purchased out of bondage to live for and serve your Redeemer. Is being a member of Israel a reason to brag? May it never be. It wasn't a reason to boast back then, and it is not a reason to boast now. God's chosen people were chosen and blessed so that they could be a blessing to the world around them. Specifically, the mission of Israel today is to preach the gospel and proclaim Bible truth. This begs the question, does someone who lives in the literal nation of Israel today, or anyone who is a citizen of the political nation of Israel, do they have any greater standing with God? If they do not believe in Christ, then the answer is absolutely not. Israel is a people, not a place, and the people matter more than the place. So it actually bears no relevance at all if you are in the place or not. What does it matter if you have land but don't have Jesus? What truly matters is if you are in Christ or not. The second application is this. Israel is a people and not a place, but not all of Israel are actually of Israel. In Romans 9, 6-8, the text says, For they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel, nor are they all children because they are Abraham's descendants. It is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise are regarded as descendants. Paul is telling us here that back in Old Testament times, there were many who were biological descendants of Israel, but ultimately, it is not bloodlines or family trees that matter. That is, even back then, there were biological descendants of Israel who rejected God and did what was right in their own eyes. That's what a huge chunk of the Old Testament describes for us again and again. For example, in 1 Kings 19.18, the majority of the nation of Israel bowed down and kissed the idol of Baal. Only 7,000 remained faithful to the Lord. These 7,000 were the true Israel. So except for those 7,000, although the rest of the nation were biological descendants of Abraham, they did not have the same spiritual conviction as Abraham. Why? Because their heart was in the wrong place. And if their heart was in the wrong place, then many who were descended from Israel were not actually members of the true spiritual Israel. When we further consider what Paul says in Romans 11, verses 25 to 27, what ultimately matters is not who your parents are. What does matter is if you are a child of the promise and profess faith in Jesus Christ. 
All of this neatly applies to today. Israel now is the church, and there are many in the church who don't actually trust God. There are many who attend or are involved in the church, but don't actually know the Lord. Sifting through who's who is not our responsibility. It's God's. The point, beloved, is that neither a pedigree nor church affiliation can save anyone. Only Christ can. All those who trust in Him are the true Israel. Even if you can trace your family tree all the way back to Abraham himself, if you can do that but don't have faith in Jesus, do you know what that pedigree means? Absolutely nothing. For they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel. Only spiritual children of Abraham will be members of the spiritual kingdom of God. Israel is a people and not a place, but not all of Israel are actually of Israel. The final application is this, Israel is a people and not a place. Therefore, it does not matter what you are or where you are, it matters who you are. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 22 to 29, the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Galatia, which was located somewhere in modern-day Turkey. This means at the time, Paul was speaking to non-Jewish Gentiles. He says, But the Scripture has shut up everyone under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, so that we may be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. In Galatians 3.22, Paul begins by saying, Scripture has shut up everyone under sin. In other words, because of sin, all human beings are inherently the same. They are all sinners, and this sentence does not discriminate. Paul then goes on to write that because sin is universal, everyone needs a Savior, and therefore anyone who believes in Jesus Christ will be saved. He says the law in the Old Testament has no special saving power. All the law did was point people to Christ. So now, any person who has faith in the Messiah will be justified and reconciled to God. Any person really means any person, so that if you believe in Jesus, you are now an adoptive son of God through faith in the Messiah. In Christ, there are no longer any divisions or dividing lines because all are one in Him. This explains why in verses 27 and 28, Paul writes, For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. So what's the point of all this? That when we look out at the world around us, it does not matter what you are or where you are. It matters who you are. The only thing that really matters is if you are in Christ or not. Mankind has developed 
thousands of different ways to divide and categorize people, but if you ask God, there is only one dividing line for humankind, those who are the true Israel and those who are not, those who are the spiritual seeds of Abraham and those who are not, those who are in the true church and those who are not, those who are being saved and those who are perishing. This is the only distinction that matters in eternity. A black female and a white male are one in Christ. An Arab from Saudi Arabia and a citizen from Jerusalem are one in Christ. Jesus has already reconciled everyone that is in him, so no one has to work on reconciliation. God already did that. He reconciled sinners to himself so that we are now free to live. Now, all we have to do is act with love to others since we've already been reconciled. Now, all we have to do is tell others about Jesus. Now, we don't have to fall under the delusion that there is any special dividing lines for humankind or that one ethnicity, one nation, one language, one color, or one whatever is inherently better than the other. Sin has shut up everyone under sin, and the only solution to the sin problem is Jesus Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. The promise is to delight in God and to enjoy Him forever in paradise. God so far exceeds anything this world has to offer, we praise God knowing that God did not have to, but He did. He did not have to set Israel apart for Himself, but He did. Glory be to God that Israel is not a place, but His chosen people, whom, because of His glorious grace, He will never, ever let them go. Thank you for listening. For more valuable resources, including a bookstore and online Bible study, visit wcsk.org.